Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. And our title today is uh, The Four Christmas Killers. Who knows, I may improve the title after I finish, but the, the four things that kill Christmas uh, for us. And really what comes out of this, how do I live this in an emotionally healthy way? Uh, how do I lead for Jesus uh, at an intense time like Christmas? So, because Advent or you know the, the weeks before Christmas is generally a very low point spiritually uh, for most Christian leaders, and I know it was for me for many many years. And I hope you're aware, as, as you're, you're probably one of the many many listeners who regularly are tuning in here to this podcast. Uh, but we're we're creating a culture. What I'm doing is I'm 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 dropping uh, a vision and a way of thinking in life about how might I do church culture and leadership culture differently. Uh, but you really have to experience it, uh, a, a new kind of culture. And while this is giving you a taste, we realize that people need a, an experience of what that looks like. So we've actually launched an Emotionally Healthy Leadership Day uh, for this purpose. And actually this February 7th, we're gonna have our first one where leaders from around the country are coming into New York City uh, to be with our team and hear about what, what are the keys uh, and experience real tra tra church transformation and personal transformation. And the best way is to taste it and see a new way of being with Jesus and a new way to lead. So let me invite you to check out our, check out on our website. Uh, and if you live in North America on February 7th, to come in for a full day uh, of an emotionally healthy leadership one-day experience. Come with your team. Uh, and it'll give you a taste about, wow, do I really want to go further with this and what might this look like? But right now for today, I want to give you an experience, uh, overall experience, a, a bit of insight and a way of thinking about the next few weeks of Christmas uh, and to not just to slay the killers of Christmas and actually begin to do some things differently. You know, I was told for years that Christmas was the time to do as much as possible to get as many people into church. And, and actually, I was told the number of visitors at Christmas Eve services uh, would indicate our growth over the next few years and that this was the time to get financially, be as strong as possible, raise all the money we can, uh, thank all our leaders, you know, bring our staff together for a party and model, you know, reaching out to our neighbors for Christ. And actually what, what happened for me, I think what happens to so many others is I just lost all the joy of the wonder of the incarnation, uh, God becoming flesh in Jesus to save us and die for us, Jesus of Nazareth. And I just, I, just, I would miss it each year. And I remember uh, for years preaching, uh, you know, this incredible message, but knowing that I was dry inside and not having had time to allow that truth to go more deeply inside of me for my own wonder and, and of the beauty and the glory of Christ. And, and again, it's so easy to happen because, you know, I, I can blame the culture, the powers of principalities that want to cut us off from Jesus, the, the unrealistic expectations of people around me and uh, and these are all factors, but the primary responsibility rests with us to, to lead ourselves well amidst the pressure coming at us, uh, to cut us off from Jesus and, and really entering and modeling a, a, a life in Jesus at Christmas for all those around us. So, so I've got four top Christmas killers that uh, for me, I had to slay and I continue to have to slay every uh, Christmas, uh, and I want to give you an antidote to each one of these because they come at me every single year and I imagine they come at you if, as you lead for Jesus as well. So the first one is this, it's, it's simply rushing. 
uh, you know, it was Vincent de Paul who said, you know, centuries ago that the one who hurries delays the things of God. You know, rushing is violent. It's just, it's violent to the soul. It's violent to those you love. It's violent to the people around you. And, uh, you know, ask yourself, you know, what am I doing that God may not be asking me to do? I was in Manhattan yesterday and uh, we're a few weeks before Christmas and I just couldn't believe the crowds. I, I, I was seven o'clock at night and I was just trying to get to my train uh, to go home back here to Queens. And I was like, I, I couldn't walk on the sidewalk. I mean, it was so slow. I had to go into the street because there were so many people. And uh, just feeling the intensity uh, in a physical way uh, and the rush that was in the room, uh, my gosh. And so what happens as, if you, when, as we're rushing, uh, people actually get leftovers. Our families, our kids, our friends. Uh, we, we, we were depleted emotionally, physically, spiritually. And I mean, ask yourself, how might you be rushing uh, through Advent? And again, that, that pressure to do so much uh, in so little time. And I, 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 we push this button, it's called autopilot, spirituality. And so we may speak of these profound truths, eternal truths of the incarnation of God becoming human flesh in Jesus. But what happens is our, our hearts shrink. And uh, so somehow the antidote is I got to slow down uh, at Christmas and be still before him. And, you know, again, one of, the, one of the great verses in scripture worth memorizing is Luke uh, 5.16, where in the midst of healing multitudes of people, lots of rush, it says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And I love the word, but. So here's the, the pressing, the crowd, but Jesus often, I love the word often, withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And, uh, you know, it was, it was many years ago that uh, Richard Foster wrote the classic Celebration of Discipline, in which he said this, our adversary, the devil, majors in three things, noise, hurry, and crowds. Noise, hurry, and crowds. And if any time we feel it with great intensity, it's now uh, at the holiday season. And because you, you really, how do we live the Christian life without being, about, without silence and stillness and sustained attention uh, and focus on Jesus? It, it's actually impossible. And so that's why it, it said the great Desert Father, one of the most famous saying of the Desert Fathers in the fourth century was, uh, go to your cell and your cell will teach you everything. You know, how do I know? What do I do? What do I drop? And they would say, go to your cell. Your cell will teach you everything. And by cell, it was speaking, he's speaking to, actually, in their case, a literal cell in the desert. But in our case, it's a space. It's a space that we meet God. And so, all right, now I'm sitting in my office, uh, in my house, books everywhere in the right and left, but I have a chair to my left that looks out the window. And it's my, it's my cell. I, I sit in that chair. Now, I can make that, I can have a cell on a park bench. I in my car, uh, a closet. I've gone to the bathroom at times for to be in, in, in to be in my cell to to get to withdraw, uh, to be with the Father, to get free from the inner and outer noise around me. But my chair, which I see right now, I mean, it didn't cost a lot of money that chair, but it's it's comfortable enough for me. And I look out that window, and I just uh, I can work here at my desk, but I can move to that chair, and I'm in a new space, and uh, to to meet God now. If Jesus, who was without sin, uh, he needed to withdraw to lonely places and pray. I want you to think about that for a second. Here's Jesus, you know, one with the Father, but he 
to, to remain in loving union with the Father, which was the whole source of his power and strength, if it was indispensable for him uh, to do that. I mean, you and I have to be crazy to imagine leading for Jesus when we have disordered hearts, which we go, we, we, can, we can go astray like in a nanosecond, uh, not withdrawing uh, out of the rush to be alone with the Father, to a lonely place, and again, to a cell, to a some lonely place to be with him. And I know you don't have time. I mean, who does? Uh, but it, it's the wrestling with the church fathers you talk about, the wrestling with demons that would happen in that place because we have so much on our mind. And so when I've got so much on my mind, uh, I may take 20, 30 minutes of, of, of like fighting in my mind to actually get still. And I again, I like to set my... my a uh, little, I have a little ring, like a church bell, and I go in twenty. I set my clock for twenty minutes, uh, and there have been times that wasn't even enough, and I just stay with it until I can actually get quiet and still before the Lord. Again, I oh, those commands: be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. You know, Psalm thirty-seven seven. You know, Habakkuk two twenty. Let let all the earth be silent before Him, and and I know those words are for me like now. And, uh, uh, and, I, and actually, and, and to get along with him. So uh, that first demon, that first virus, that first killer that's coming at you is called rushing. And so take a nice deep breath and uh, just remember Jesus uh, and slow down here. Okay, the second is related, which is called anxiety. It's a great killer, anxiety. And, uh, you know, after 30 years of pastoring, I, I can say to you with some authority, uh, the growth and vitality of your ministry is not dependent on Christmas. Uh, it depends on God. And it's how you lead and who you are throughout the year, not just this few-week period. Our anxiety keeps us busy. And uh, Hilary of Tours, a bishop from the 4th century, said it best. He, he called busyness blasphemous anxiety to do God's work for him. And, uh, you know, I, anxiousness is something that... Uh, you know, one person once wrote that we spend our lives just moving our anxiety around. That's what life is. People just giving others their anxiety. And it's everywhere around us. And we feel it in our bodies. I was I was uh, in a mentoring meeting with a young pastor yesterday. And uh, he was you know, overwhelmed, so much to do in so little time. And he was feeling it physically in his body with some ailments. A young guy, you know, well, you know, physically healthy, looking physically healthy but had all these symptoms and his wife did as well. And he said, I know it's stress. I know it's stress and pressure. And um, I said to him, do you realize that God speaks through the body? That that's God coming to you. Your, uh, e even your physical ailments, which aren't like something genetic or hereditary. It's just, it, he knew it was stress. And I said, the body is a major prophet, not, not a minor prophet. Uh, I mean, God speaks, of course, God speaks primarily through scripture. God speaks through so many means, right? He speaks through creation. He speaks through the, the glory of creation. He, he speaks through other people. Uh, he speaks through stillness. I mean, God speaks through so many ways. But one of the ways God speaks, and it's a major prophet, is through our bodies, because our bodies know before our minds that something's wrong. And I know for myself, I feel it with a knot in my stomach and a tightness in my neck and my shoulders. Uh, but a knot in my stomach is a key. I, I, uh, I've had knots in my stomach for days and it's anxiety. Something's not right. Something's out of whack. It's God speaking. 
And uh, anxiety is a key thing to, to, to watch out for because most of us uh, in leadership that I meet are perfectionists. We, we want it to go, you know, we want our programs to be flawless, our sermons to, to be brilliant, our volunteers to be like on fire. Uh, and they're not, you know, they never are, you know, and, and, and we forget it's human to make mistakes. Uh, and, and we cross over the line of excellence into perfectionism. And it leads to all kinds of anxiety. I, I like what Eugene Peterson wrote in the Jesus way. He said, perfectionism is a perversion of the Christian way. To impose it on oneself or another is decidedly not the way of Jesus. I mean, do you realize things are not going to go perfect this Christmas, all right? And there's so many things that can go wrong, especially as your ministry and church and uh, your, your, your company is, you know, raises the level of activity. Um, everything has flaws and is imperfect. All vacations, the best church, our children, our parenting, the best employees, imperfect staff person, the best leader that we know and idolize, you know, is imperfect with deep flaws. And uh, words, we do our best, and we understand is we're going to make mistakes. I for for. For years, I had to say to myself, remind myself, oh, it's because I make mistakes a lot. Um, my, my sermons were never perfect. I mean, once in a while, I hit a, a home run, but even there, I knew it was, there was always cracks. It was always, oh, this could have been said better here. Uh, but I have thousands of sermons that, really, probably a couple thousand now, right? I, I, I had clear cracks and flaws in them. But the, we, we do the best we can as human beings. Uh, we're not God. And always remembering that if the entire world was given, were given to you, you would still say it's too little because you were made for perfection, a perfect feast with Jesus that will last forever. Uh, and many of us spend our lives frustrated, anxious, rearranging the world to be perfect. And uh, that perfectionism, again, we often guise it in, uh, disguise it as a commitment to excellence. And it's a thin line there. It can be tied to rebellion and pride. Uh, it's insidious, especially among leaders. It just, it just, it, it, it destroys any contentment and joy. Uh, it evaporates gratitude. It just, it just dries it up. Uh, again, to be human is to be imperfect. It's okay to make mistakes. Our fallenness is actually a, a gift to keep us grounded. Uh, he's God. God's got it. Thankfully, you and I are not God. There's going to be relational tensions at Christmas in your own family. Uh, church leaders, ministry, and uh, so that's why, you know, when I when I talk to a person getting married, I always say to the couple, "Listen, there's so many details. This wedding and the reception, and all these families coming together. It's complicated, and uh, there will be mistakes. Things are not going to go a hundred percent. So you need to prepare yourself going into this, or you're going to be very unhappy and and anxious, of course. And so, what do we do? We got to practice just letting go, like okay, anxiety, like okay." Take a deep breath and just let it go, you know, all day, every day, and especially here at Christmas, uh, uh, this time of the year. It's critical, uh, or else it'll kill uh, your own Christmas and joy with him. Uh, the third killer is not just rushing and anxiety. It's, it's actually ignoring God's limits and, and trying to do too much. You know, there's, there's so much, right? Hosting and decorating and gift giving and additional church services and parties. And then you got the, the, the pastoral emergency. I mean, the list is just endless. And as you know, when we violate the, the line of God's limits, we, we just, we get weary. We get very weary. And uh, again, we're not God. 
and a person can receive only what's given them from heaven. And we've got enormous limits of time, energy, you know, money, uh, spiritual fullness. You can only give so much. And uh, there, there are red lights that God puts in front of us. And those red lights are, are to say, stop. There's yellow lights, of course, but there's red ones. And we just keep driving. And when we do more than God asks us to do, it just opens door to chaos and uh, disorder. And um, uh, it, we're, just, we're just no good for our anybody around us. And we're not present with people. I Again, I was talking to another young leader uh, the other day. And uh, again, he was very stressed. And he talking about how he works morning, afternoon, and evening, at least two to three days a week. And so I said, you know, he goes out two, three nights a week. And I said, I know, but do you take off like the morning or afternoon? For many years, Jerry and I have divided up our day into thirds, where if I was going to be out at night, I would take a, that's a third, that's a, a third. I would either take off in the morning or the afternoon. Uh, but I'd be careful. To, I couldn't go morning, afternoon, night. Now, once in a while, I'll do a three thirds day, but my body and my spirit can't sustain it. But to go morning, afternoon, evening, three-thirds of a day, like two days in a row. I mean, that third day, you're not going to wake up in good shape. I mean, you can keep pushing it, uh, but that pushing through God's limit, because God made you for sleep. He made you for a rhythm, not just a work Sabbath rhythm. He made you for a rhythm in your days. Uh, and uh, when we cross those limits and try to do more than a, a human being, the limits God's given us, we end up in causing a lot of trouble. Think of Adam and Eve with that tree in the middle of the garden and God puts the tree right in the garden, the limit, and God says, don't touch, you know, don't eat from that tree. And they do. They cross that limit. And I said to God, God, why don't you just put the limit out in the back of the garden? And uh, some of your opportunities uh, may be a limit, God saying, don't touch that one. Uh, because as you know, it's more than just, I say yes to this commitment. You got to think through all that's involved in that commitment, the energy, the time, the conversations, uh, and then looking at your schedule closely, then can I really do the rest of it? And once Adam and Eve crossed that line, it unleashed all kinds of negative consequences called sin in the human race. Uh, because, uh, and we're here today bearing the fruit of their decision. When we, we ignore limits and do too much and we're in leadership, oh my goodness, we impact our families. And this young leader was telling me how he comes home and he actually has a Sabbath each week for a 24 hour period, but he's so shot during that period that he has nothing really to give. He's on the couch and even when he's quote off at night, uh, he's so tired from the day when he walks in the door because he's been running such an intense pace that he really has nothing to give, um, you know, his spouse. We had a good conversation about what is God saying? How's God coming to him? And of course his wife is, is complaining, you know, she's trying to get his attention, but he's not listening. And um, if I had a chance to talk to his wife, I'd tell her, talk to Jerry, I quit, you know? And uh, you know, as Jerry saved my life. So what do we do? How, how do I, what's the remedy for this? I, I'm always, you're probably saying, I'm always running through God's limits. And well, the answer is, 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 is I've got to somehow uh, listen to the Father. Stop for a minute, go to your cell, ask for wisdom and discernment around what's really important this week. What's really important next week? Uh, I know for my, you know, for Jerry and I, we stopped doing Christmas cards um, years ago. And Christmas letters, sending out those, and uh, and we because it was just too much. We, we were exhausted, and uh, again, even our church, we slowed things down. Um, thinking of all the leaders' families as well, um, you know, we did outreaches and stuff, but we just had to sit back and say we want to live out of our being. But we stopped. Yeah, you know, 
this is a very quick story. It's very funny. I, you know how people send you their Christmas letters, and generally it's like Instagram. Uh, people always put in there. They, they don't go on Instagram and, and share their sadnesses and weaknesses and failures. People generally share all the great things going on in your life. You know, when you're depressed, you don't you don't share. You don't do into the story. And uh, so we had a couple of families that always send us this, these letters about their kids are absolutely amazing. Their family's incredible. Everyone loves Jesus on fire for Jesus. They're like the ideal family, you know. And so one year we said, okay, we, you know, painful open every year. So I said, I can't take it. I said, so I'm going to write a Christmas letter for our family, a real one. And so I had all, all our kids were there. And we just started to write down uh, all the all the the bad things about our family, all, all the, we had a year that was filled with messes and failures, you know, and we just laughed and laughed and I typed it out, you know, it's actually here in my file cabinet, we never mailed it out. But it was just such a funny moment, you know, it just, it just, it just was great. So you want to, you want to receive God's limits as a gift. And because when we don't, we're in rebellion, even if we're doing God's work. And so you, maybe you've made too many commitments going into Christmas. You say, what am I going to do? Well, there's a great proverb. I think it's Proverbs 6 that says, you know, ask, you know, you, you made a commitment, you said something, and now you realize you can't do it. And so you humble yourself and you ask, is it possible for me to, you know, get out of this thing? And uh, I think it's Proverbs 6. And, but, I, I, but you want to say, what can I do? Um, and you want to listen to God and journal mistakes you've made and you want to make sure you journal those mistakes, listen to what God's saying to you, and you, don't, and you go back to it, you know, in the future. All right, so Christmas killers, rushing, anxiety, you know, doing too much, ignoring God's limits. But the fourth is uh, forgetting this, that your greatest gift and my greatest gift this Christmas is who we are, not what we do or what we give. It's who we are. Our, Our number one work, your number one work, is to remain deeply connected with the Father deeply connected with yourself and then deeply connected to those closest to you. If you're married with your spouse, your children, your parents, if you're single with your close friends, your family, amidst all the pressure swirling around us, uh, the commercialization of Christmas is very good, of course, for the economy and for business. And some of you are in business listening to me. However, what what about us? What, what do we do? Uh, we need to prayerfully sit down with our calendar and ask God, Lord, what can I delegate, give away? What can wait till next year? What's most important, Lord, this week? And to listen. God invites us, remember, to practice his presence within an awareness, you know, practice his presence and practice the presence of people. That is no small task, especially this time of the year. So I start by practicing his presence first. And there's no greater teacher than that who gives insight than Brother Lawrence, who in the 16th century, he was a Carmelite monk in Paris, France. And I I reread every few years the practice of the presence of God, uh, just to remind myself of his very simple, his timeless uh, wisdom. And I I want to close this uh, with you. And I want to read you a couple of gems that come out of that little book from him as you consider this Christmas, uh, he wrote things like this. And he, he was a dishwasher. That was his role in the monastery. And he wrote this, I, I make it my business only to persevere in his holy presence, that I may actually be and call the actual presence of God. And and for me, the, the t- this time of business does not differ from the time of prayer. 
the noise and clatter of the kitchen, even with several persons calling me at the same time for different things, I possess God in as great peace as if I were on my knees. And his prayer, he writes, is nothing else but a sense of the presence of God. And he says, as for set hours of prayer, they are just a continuation of the same exercise, simple attention and passionate regard to God. And so to practice his presence, and then that, with all these people coming at you, and if you're in leadership at Christmas, a lot of people coming at you, to be present with people, that, that takes a miracle, to actually see an individual. Uh, and if you've got, you got multiple services and you know, all these new people showing up, uh, it's for, for what do you need to do to be who you are, to be present with yourself and God, Thus, you can be present to people. And Jesus said it very simply. He said, if we remain in him, uh, we will bear a lot of fruit. And it's, 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 it's not so much that we hold a position with Jesus. It's allowing ourselves to be held by Jesus. And if we, But if we don't allow Jesus to hold us, we don't abide in him, remain in him, he says we'll have, we'll have nothing substantial to give anyone, nothing fruitful. And so, again, leadership is, is who we are. It's not all the activities. It's, it's us. So I pray that uh, you'll practice his presence in these days. And spiritual formation, discipleship, building a church, building a ministry, it's slow. It is slow. Hear these words. It's slow for everybody, including you. I mean, Jesus didn't make disciples overnight. Uh, you don't build a church overnight. And anyone who tells you that you can build it overnight, sorry, friends, it's just not true. Um, so may the Lord, may the peace of Jesus fill you this season and, uh, may he give you grace, uh, the grace and the power to stay with him. And as these killers and behind these killers are demonic powers, uh, may you discern them and seeing whether it's anxiety or rushing or doing more than you've got time to do the gift of God's limits or forgetting that the greatest gift you bring is you, um, not what you do. Uh, may God give you grace to slay those killers and, uh, and abide in him. And I can promise you this, if you abide in him, as Jesus said, you will bear fruit and you'll be blessed. So again, bless you this Christmas. Join us and pop into www.emotionallyhealthy.org. Join our tribe in this journey of uh, transforming church culture so that it deeply changes leaders and disciples disciples, uh, for God's work around the world. God bless you, everyone. Have a great day. Look forward to seeing you next week.